Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North America and all the ships at sea. This is Philip Terzian, the literary editor of the Weekly Standard, with my weekly podcast on the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard. And this week, I am looking at the last issue of 2014, the December 29th issue. And our lead piece this week is a review by McCubbin Thomas Owens of a book entitled One Million Steps, A Marine Platoon at War by Bing West. Uh, One Million Steps is a look at the um, American presence in Afghanistan over the past uh, decade, uh, more or less from the standpoint of the soldiers, or Marines in this case, Uh, fighting there. The book is by Bing West, who is himself a um, soldier who also served uh, in the Defense Department uh, during the um, uh, George W. Bush administration. And the reviewer is McCubbin Thomas Owens, uh, an old friend of mine, actually, and a longtime contributor to the Weekly Standard, who is himself a retired um, uh, Marine colonel, was an infantry uh, officer in Vietnam, and then for many years um, a professor at the Naval War College in Newport, and is now editor of the quarterly journal of the Foreign Policy Research Institute, Orbis. So it's a book about Marines at war in Afghanistan, by someone who very much knows what he's talking about and reviewed by someone who very much knows what he's talking about. And I will say that Mac Owens likes Bing West's book. He doesn't agree with him about everything. And Bing West, um, being a, shall we say, soldier scholar, um, is not entirely um, on board on some aspects of um, our strategy in, in Afghanistan both in the present administration and in the previous administration. But it's an interesting book, um, especially if you want to see um, what exactly is going on in places like Afghanistan um, from the um, uh, platoon point of view, uh, which we don't often get in, in such things, or we often get them from writers who are fundamentally hostile to the enterprise or have an agenda. Bing West has no agenda except to describe war as he and as he sees it through the eyes of these uh, enlisted men in the Marines and I guess uh, more lower ranking officers. But anyway, definitely from the from the from the from the ground as it were. That is followed by a review by Parker Bauer of a book entitled Beyond the First Draft, The Art of Fiction by John Casey. John Casey is a novelist, um, probably his best-known novel is Spartina, um, who teaches at the University of Virginia. He is also a fairly regular teacher at the Sewanee Writers Conference in Tennessee, which is an annual gathering of, for a few weeks of of aspiring writers with um, famous writers who have, um, I I guess like most writers' conferences, um, 
each each attendee is assigned a writer such as John Casey or others um, who for whom they write and who critique their work um, and of course it uh, pertains to fiction to poetry to playwriting um, I myself I have to say have have had the privilege of attending the writers conference um, for a few years because they always have a panel each year on literary journalism where a handful of literary editors from around the country talk to the people attending the conference. But the book, Beyond the First Draft, The Art of Fiction, is actually a collection of essays on um, how to write fiction based partly, in fact largely, I think, on John Casey's experience at Sewanee. Um, I think the point he makes, of course, is that the ability to write, especially to write fiction, is not something that can so easily be uh, taught. Um, it's a gift, one might say, with which one is either born or one is not born. But the point he makes is that if you have some talent for writing, um, the question is, after you've done your first draft, what do you do with it? Um, so obviously this is as much instruction in the art of reading critically and rewriting as it is uh, in um, writing imaginatively. But it's a very interesting book. I myself um, have little or no aptitude for the writing of fiction, although I enjoy reading it. And it's interesting to see how someone like Casey, who is a very successful novelist and a, and a very successful literary novelist, approaches um, uh, an art which is in its own way just as mysterious as the ability to paint or to play the piano or what have you. Beyond the First Draft, The Art of Fiction by John Casey. That is followed by a review by Harvey Clare, the distinguished Cold War historian at Emory, um, of two new books. Uh, one is entitled Dangerous Friendship, Stanley Levison, Martin Luther King Jr. and the Kennedy Brothers by Ben Kamen. The other is The Odell File by Victor S. Navasky. Um, these two books are what we might call Cold War remnants. Uh, Stanley Levison was an old communist um, uh, functionary, functionary in the American Communist Party, as was Jack Odell, who was also um, uh, an official with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. One of the problems that Presidents Kennedy and Johnson had with Martin Luther King were uh, that he had <clears throat> in his movement um, there were certain figures such as Levison and Odell who were perhaps more dubious than most and whose, whose communist associations were a, a problem politically because... Um, Kennedy and Johnson, of course, were fundamentally very supportive of of Dr. King and his and his crusade. But um, Dr. King also carried with him a certain amount of political baggage that they tried very hard to to um, separate him from, largely for his own good, because of course King had his had his opponents, uh, especially within the Democratic Party, who then controlled. Uh, the House and Senate, and therefore controlled the progress or lack of progress on civil rights legislation. So it's a kind of interesting book. Unfortunately, both books 
um, in Harvey Clare's um, opinion, um, take a, a astonishingly wrong-headed view of the two protagonists they're describing. So I would say that the thing to read here is Harvey Clare's essay, which tells you all you need to know about the subjects at hand and explains um, the strengths and manifest weaknesses of these two books on a very important subject, especially in our understanding of modern America. That is followed by a delightfully subversive essay by Charlotte Allen on the 75th anniversary of John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, which is, of course, one of those iconic novels. I hate to use that word, but it's, 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 it's novels that, um, of course, it was published in 1939, was almost immediately made into a very popular movie uh, starring Henry Fonda, uh, which is uh, still seen and still appreciated. And The Grapes of Wrath, at least in my youth, was a kind of standard text in high school. I think it's been largely replaced by other... I don't know whether middle or high school students still read The Grapes of Wrath as routinely as they did 40 or 50 uh, or even 60 years ago. But uh, Charlotte Allen is a Californian and has some first-hand knowledge of the world that The Grapes of Wrath describes, um, the the economic refugees from the Dust Bowl who migrated to California. And, of course, um, as often happens, the reality that Charlotte describes is, is uh, demonstrably different from the fantasy that John Steinbeck creates in which the movie, alas, has um, uh, persisted in over the past several decades. So if you have a slightly skeptical eye about the way modern history is depicted in fiction and in the cinema, and if you have any knowledge of The Grapes of Wrath, um, whether the novel or the movie, um, I think you will very much enjoy um, Charlotte Allen's essay. That is followed by a review of um, by our own Jonathan Last of a a sort of heartwarming book called Unbreakable Bonds, The Mighty Moms and Wounded Warriors of Walter Reed by David Garin and Kevin Ferris, which is about the um, the fact that, of course, the war against terror has produced, um, well, actually, like all modern wars, um, it has yielded astonishing advances in military medicine and soldiers are living today who would have died in Vietnam or Korea or First or Second World War. Um, and oftentimes um, um, soldiers who have been horrifically maimed or lost one, two, three limbs um, who might otherwise have died are now not only surviving but to some degree thriving, but they're doing so um, because the armed forces um, makes an effort. In fact, I would say almost insists that the parents and especially the mothers of the soldiers are very much involved in the treatment and recovery of their children. And uh, Unbreakable Bonds um, talks about several cases where this is so. It's a it's a very interesting. It's I mean it's a it's a fascinating phenomenon how that works. But it's also a, a, a decidedly heartwarming 
story of um, uh, extraordinary persistence in the face of extraordinary um, problems. And anyone who knows anything about war or uh, knows anyone who might have um, been wounded uh, in any of our country's conflicts will appreciate the extent to which uh, the system deals with those those outcomes. Um, very interesting piece by Jonathan Last of an interesting story. Our movie review this week by John Podhoritz is of the new Ridley Scott uh, version of Exodus. It's called Exodus, Gods and Kings. It's the name of the movie. And um, I will, as always, uh, leave John's judgment opinion um, to your discretion. Um, John, as always, um, has a strong view on the subject of the movie, but as always with John, he arrives at it um, with information and insights and observations that um, uh, make his essays always uh, infinitely rewarding to read. And as I say, as, speaking as one who has little or no inclination to see this version of Exodus, um, I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed uh, John's analysis of it, as I'm sure you will too. This is my last podcast of the calendar year 2014. I will be speaking to you again soon, I hope, about our uh, combined issue, the Weekly Standard, will not be publishing the week after Christmas, and so uh, we'll have a slightly longer uh, section next time, uh, and I will be describing it to you, I hope, with uh, charm and insight at some point in the near future. I thank you very much for joining me on the December 29th issue, and I look forward to talking to you about our next issue. Thank you and goodbye.